0: Go ahead and turn over to Mark chapter 10. I want you to imagine for a moment that you had the opportunity to sit in one of Jesus' sermons. That the Lord himself was going to be your instructor. And you were going to gather around Maybe you're going to have to look off somebody else's scroll. And you're going to hear words from the king of kings. You're going to be personally instructed about life from Jesus. And we're going to read about one of those times in Mark chapter 10. Starting in verse 13, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. You say, well, why why were the disciples rebuking the people who were bringing the kids? Because they had the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I don't want your noisy kids (laughs) wrecking. My moment. There's a lot of shushing going on. There's a lot of looks, a lot of faces. They were even going to the parents like, get your kids out of here. Go put them in kids' kingdom. (laughs) But they were about to find out that they were being taught but they were missing the point. Jesus saw this. He was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Here comes the crescendo of the sermon. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never Enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. It was a powerful sermon. It wasn't what they were expecting. They were trying to get the noisy kids out of there. And Jesus says, no, 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 my whole sermon is the kids. It is their heart. Look at how they come to me. He says, that's your sermon. And he said, if you don't receive the kingdom like one of these little children, you will never enter the kingdom. You know, what is it about kids? Well, they'll say whatever's on their heart. You can be having the the most formal dinner party. And if bum wiping is needed when they're little, they will shout it from the rooftops. They don't care who your guests are. I have a need and I'm letting you know. It's the heart of a child. They don't pay attention to the moment. They just go to the person they want to go to. They have incredible humility. They respond. They're excited. And Jesus says it's their heart that we must imitate if we're going to enter the kingdom of God. There's no other way. Jesus says the sophisticated, intellectual, standoff, private approach. Sorry. That door will never be open. No, you got to receive it as a little child. If you want to enter it, what a sermon. Say, so what would you have been thinking? Have You ever been sitting in a sermon and you're just convinced that this is the direction it's going. And you're like, good, I escaped that point. And then all of a sudden there's a turn and you realize, oh, this scripture speaks to me. Uh, As a preacher, I I laugh at how impacting the Word of God is because almost every week I have somebody that will come up and go, you knew about my situation, didn't you? Of course, I always play along with it. I go, yeah, I got an email this morning and they're like, I knew it! Because I felt like you were preaching right at me. And then I laugh and I go, no, I have no idea what your situation is. The Word of God applies. Not always what you're expecting. You show up and you're thinking, I'm here to get this. And Jesus says, no, i got a different idea for you. He says, is this a way to get in the kingdom of God? Now, that's an important sermon. That's one you want to pay attention to. And there's your chance. Say, so how would you respond? Remember, you're in that small group and Jesus is looking you eye to eye. And he says, I tell you the truth. You need to receive the kingdom like one of these little children. Say, so how would your life be different? How would it change? So what an incredible moment to be sitting at Jesus' feet, receiving that. Teaching, I mean, it would just make it clear, right? We'd know how to respond. We'd know how to set up our week. We'd know what kind of heart to have. we go, Jesus laid it out right there. Okay, that simplifies all the confusion I've had. Have the heart of a little child. What would that look like? Okay, that's what I'm going to imitate. It's right then and there. I want to tell you a story. You know, you should never cheat. But I'm going to tell you about... A tenth-grade classmate of mine who did. We were in a spelling test. His name was Pat. And after the spelling test, he came up. You know, as students are prone to do, they go, "How'd you do on the test?" I said, oh, "I got nine out of ten. I missed one. I, you know, I narrowed it down and was I was trying to remember—is it this way or that way—and I guessed wrong. How'd you do?" And he goes, I got 8 out of 10. I go, really? I'm surprised you got any wrong because I saw you cheating during the test. And he goes, oh, I know. But when I copied down the word list on my hand, I misspelled them. Now, he was not smart to cheat in the first place. But that's just dumber than dumb. (laughs) You wrote the words down wrong that you were using as the reference to get the right answer. We're going to continue reading in Mark. Verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Now, here's what we don't know. We don't know if he was sitting in the group where he heard the sermon about receiving it as a little child. We don't know if he was in the group and he was too afraid to be like a little child and ask in the group. We don't know if he was in the group and wasn't paying attention or if maybe, just maybe, he hadn't planned well and he was late and he missed his opportunity to hear the sermon about the heart of a child. But either way, what I love about this story is that Jesus gave him a second chance. You know, because Jesus cares so much that even if you miss your first chance, he says, Oh, I love you enough. I'll give, I'll give you a second chance. He says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. You know, what was the sermon he needed? He needed the one right before it. Receive it like a little child. You say, what would a little child have done? I'll tell you another story. My wife's uh, youngest sister, Lauren, when she was five years old, uh, Cheryl's dad got a phone call from the teacher at the school. They said, um, you know, Leon, uh, your kindergarten daughter, um, we noticed all these kids in the class were all holding $100 bills. We thought that was strange for kindergartners to all be holding the, the C note. So we started asking and tracked them down to your daughter. She said she had found a wad of cash in your sock drawer. And so she wanted to encourage her friends. So she gave out $2,800 to her friends. Only a little child would think to do that. Now, if you were Bill Gates, okay, you hand out twenty eight hundred bucks, but that's not the heart of a little child. I mean, that's great and glad that you did that. But yeah, we a little child, they didn't have any money in the first place, and they got a gold mine. What do they want to do? I want to give it away. But not not the rich young ruler here. Jesus said, You can have heaven, you can be perfect. There's only one thing you've got to change. And he's like, No. And he went away sad. Just Point number one. Don't waste your second chance. He missed out on the first sermon. Maybe because he wasn't paying attention or he just wasn't there because he was running late. But Jesus said, Let me get more specific with you. Here's what receiving it like a little child will look in your life. And I'll just like take away all the clutter. One thing. Do this. You know, for each one of us, there's a one thing. It's what you're thinking about right now. It's what you wrestle with the most. If you're studying the Bible, you're coming to church for the first time, it would be the thing that you would be most afraid of being called to sacrifice. But there's no way to make Jesus Lord of your life without complete surrender and sacrifice. You know, for the rich young ruler, he went away sad. Say, what a contrast. You got the kids climbing all over Jesus having the heart that you need to have they're having a great time Jesus is blessing them and then right after that you got this man like, hey, I want to join in the fun too and Jesus says, all you got to do is that one thing. Nope. You now this is a sermon you don't hear preached all that often in the world we live because the Christianity, That we're surrounded by. Is one that allows you to pretty much live the way you want. As long as you come to church sometimes. As long as you read your Bible a little bit. As long as you pray once in a while. But that's not being born again. That's like a little self-improvement program. Jesus isn't trying to make you 10% better. He's trying to revolutionize your entire life. That's why he says it's gotta take the heart of a little child. Say, do you respond the way a little child does? Are you honest about what's going on? One of my favorite, you know, shows growing up was uh, Kids Say the Darndest Things. And I remember um, you know, the version that I got to witness was Bill Cosby. Maybe you remember that. I still remember The first question he would ask every kid that came up there, was there anything your mom and dad said not to talk about when you got on stage? (laughs) Yeah, they said don't do this and don't talk about this and blah, 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 blah. And they just put all the family's dirty laundry out there. (laughs) So what about us? Somebody cares about us, studying the Bible with us. Say, how's it going? Oh, fine. We don't want to put anything out there. Because what will they think? If they know who I am, they would distance themselves. Now, in fact, you're sitting in a room of people that are just like you. There's no newly invented sin that you have and nobody else ever has thought of or accomplished. But it can feel that way. We're not sure who to trust. The fact is, when you're honest, you can build incredible relationships in such a short period of time. That's why you watch kids build friendships. It's amazing. You know, you can go some spot on vacation after day. I've got, you know, one day and i got three new best friends. And we've known people for five years, ten years, and like, ah, I'm not sure if I'm ready to trust yet. That's why Jesus says you've got to have the heart of a little child. Say, so what's your heart like? Don't waste your second chance. Let's go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew 20. remember a flight I was on. don't remember where I was going. I just remember I was flying alone. One of the few times I've flown somewhere by myself. And it was one of those planes where it was two, five, and two. And I was on the two side. I was on the aisle. And there was a teenage girl sitting next to me. And so we're, we're there. We're seated. We take off. And finally, you know, the pilot, like, Un, you know unlights the uh, seatbelt sign so you can get up and move around. And this guy just you know walks up on the aisle and he says, "I'm um, sir, would you mind trading places with me because you're sitting next to my daughter uh, and they couldn't get us together?" And I was like, sure, that's fine." And then he goes, "Oh, and I'm in first class." The bummer, it was only like a 45-minute flight. So I got an extra large bag of peanuts in first class. Uh, The only time I got to sit in first class, 45 minutes. But I thought, this is cool. You know, I didn't pay for first class. I just happened to be sitting next to the teenage girl. And, you know, I would have swapped with him even if he was sitting in the back by the toilet because it's like, Oh, man, I don't want his daughter sitting alone. You know, it'd be cool. If father and daughter would sit by himself. But it was such a cool chance. Like, yeah, that was awesome. I got to sit in first class and I didn't even pay for it. Matthew twenty. Says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landover. Landowner. Landover. Whatever that is. A landover. That's a cross between a car and some Landover. He went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyard. The denarius was, uh, you know, the fair daily wage. That's what you would hope to get if you work all day long, 12-hour shift. And you'd get a denarius. So they were, they were excited. They got a job. Three hours later, about the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour. And the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour... He went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired, going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. It's the heart of God. Everybody got a denarius. Even the one that only worked one hour got the same amount. Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. That means you can be a Christian for a day. And get the same salvation as somebody who's a Christian for 70 years. You go, well, is that unfair? Well, it's not fair that any of us get salvation. But God says, no, no, no. I want everybody to have the same salvation given to them. You know, sometimes in life... We can look back and, and our heart is filled with regret. And maybe we're in our 20s. Maybe we're still in our teens. Our 30s. Our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And we think back to decisions we've made. Experiences we've had. Things we wish we had done differently. You know, if I could only go back and change one thing, it would be This. Sometimes really dramatic things that have just changed our life in radical ways. And we go, I wish I could do it different. You know, I wish each one of us could go back. And I don't know what day each of us committed our very first sin. It was the sin that separated you from your God for the first time. Probably somewhere in the preteen, teenage years. You left home that day connected to God, and you came home that day separated from God. Your first sin. The first of many that would be committed. And imagine that God says, I will take you back, and I will let you. Become a committed Christian, a disciple, right before that happens. So you have the benefit to live a life completely different and escape those wrong decisions. That would be amazing. Think about all the sin and pain we could have avoided. You know what the problem is? We can't. Go back and undo what we've done. And many of us today are scarred and wounded and in some cases paralyzed because of sins that we've committed, that have been committed against us. And you hear a message about hope and a new life and you go, no, it's too late. Now, this story is for you. You see, it's a message of hope, and Jesus is saying, take your opportunity. They don't don't squander it. You know, the rich young ruler, he wasted his second chance. Hey, Amen. The workers, hey, you know, you got the ones hired at 6 a.m. and then at 9 a.m. and at noon, and then all the way to five p.m. and they only had to work one hour. And Jesus says, No, that's just the way the kingdom of God is. Salvation's available. For you. I don't care how bad, I don't care how ugly, how much of a mess, how much pain. Jesus says, oh, come on now. I'm giving you the opportunity. No, don't you know those that worked one hour were fired up to get a whole day's wages. You know, we are not going to be in heaven one day going, how many years did you work before you made it? Oh, just just one? Huh. You fellowship over there. <laughs> it's just going to be one big party because we made it. And that's the point. God says, hey, I'll be generous with my salvation. I don't care what you've done, I don't care how bad it is. Right now is a perfect time. Take your opportunity. Now, why were they not working? This is because nobody had come and hired us. The invitation had not been given. So they were just standing around doing nothing. Notice, there's not this place in there of, hey, and he went out to hire workers in the vineyard at 6 a.m. and they said, nah, Come back at 5 p.m. and I'll work for the hour. None of them turned down the opportunity. It's just some were invited later in the day, later in life. But see, too often we go, oh, good, I can get saved at the 11th hour. I'll wait till then. I got a lot of life I want to live. And I'll tell you what, I, I was so inspired last night. Come home after the wedding, and my house was completely filled with ladies. It was my wife and like 10 campus ladies, and they were studying the Bible with Jade. Bailey, our dog, was there. She was inspired. But I thought it's so awesome. I mean, they, they were at a big wedding celebration all day and come home and preaching the Word of God. Like, you know why? Because it's salvation. It's the most important thing that that we have to deal with. Because we're given an opportunity. But what if we say, oh, I'm going to wait until later. Now, point number three is later is too late. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 and 28. It says, just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away for the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Writer Hebrews makes it clear, hey, we're going to die once, and after that we're going to be judged. There's no purgatory. You're not going to pray your way out of it after death. You die, and you will be judged. You say, so you want to wait till later? If later is death, it's too late. You know, Jesus says he's going to come back and he's going to bring salvation, but not to everybody. Only those who are waiting for him. That means they've already responded and now they're just waiting for the glorious day. Now, the last passage I want to look at is over in Luke chapter 16. It's a story Jesus told about a rich man and Lazarus. And it brings this concept Life. And in verse 19, Luke 16, it says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and he lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered. (coughs) Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. You know, what a story. You say later is too late. You know, what's amazing is as Jesus tells this story about the rich man and Lazarus. After their judgment is sealed. The rich man has a conversation with Abraham. He knew who he was. Father Abraham. This guy was not an atheist. He was not agnostic. He was not ignorant of the scriptures. He knew exactly who Abraham was. But after it's too late, what does he want? What was the first thing he thought of? Have pity on me. So, well, how much pity did he have on Lazarus as he lived his life? How much was his heart moved? Now it says that he longed to eat what fell from the rich man's table, he had no pity. He had no problem telling Abraham, hey, I got an idea for you. Why don't you have Lazarus come and serve me? You know, what do I want? Well, just a little, little water on the tongue. That would be really nice. His judgment's sealed. And he's trying to get the beggar that he did nothing for. Hey, come and help me because I'm in agony. It's amazing the turn of the heart when it's too late. He also had another idea. Hey, Abraham, send Lazarus so he can go evangelize my brothers. He can go share the gospel. He can preach the word to them so they won't come here. He knew the scriptures. He could have warned his brother when he was alive. All five of them was he going to do it? Later. And then Abraham says, no. They got Moses and the prophets. They got the word of God. They got everything they need. He said, no. They need somebody to rise from the dead and go back. And Abraham says, nope. If the scriptures aren't enough for them, even if somebody rose from the dead, they wouldn't change. You know, I think we learn about what produced the later mentality in the rich man. I think he was entitled. He thought he should be served. He was a victim. He needed pity. He needed somebody else to go and speak to his family. And you know what? The scriptures just weren't powerful enough for him. He needed a miracle. Abraham said, no, the scriptures are enough. Say, maybe you feel that way. One or more. Or maybe it's something else. The fact is, later never comes. You will never accomplish anything later. Until you say, I would do it now. There has to be a now moment to respond. Later will never arrive. You say, is it too late? Not for somebody who will respond now. You say, well, I want to wait until later. Maybe too late. God is gracious. He's generous. The Salvation is offered for all. Whether you're early in life or late in life, whether you sin a little or you sin a lot, He loves you. They say, What have you done with the sermons you've heard? You know, God is always preaching to the human heart. He'll do it through life experiences, He'll do it from the pulpit. He'll do it every time you open his word. And it's just so discouraging when you read about the rich young ruler. They go, man, he had his chance. He had a one-on-one time, but he wasted his second chance. So I pray that nobody here will waste the opportunity that God is giving you. Say, so is it too late? Not now. It may be later, but your decision will be what determines it. I pray for each one of us. Live in the now, respond now. Don't wait till tomorrow. And have the heart of a little child. You see, I'm just confused. Well, think what would a little child do? What would they do with opportunity to come to Jesus and respond in that way? Is it too late? Not now, but it may be later. Let's stand as we close in a final song.